All right, so a real love. Uh, last week we had a conversation. If you were here, if not, I encourage you to catch the podcast or watch the uh, YouTube video on it about generosity and hospitality. And I hope it was really helpful for, for some of us to remember that God gives us more than enough, even though it doesn't seem like it, and we're like by the end of the month scraping by. He actually gives us more than enough because God's plan to meet the needs of his planet is through our generosity. When you and I share what God's given, we become more like Jesus, and that's how people's needs are met. But it's one thing to talk about generosity and hospitality, which is including others, whether we know them or not, and it's another thing to make the actual changes in our calendar and in our checkbook, right? So I pray that last week was a stirring enough for you to have some honest conversations with your relatives, uh, if you live with family, with your friends and with other people who know Jesus so that we could start actually taking the steps to make margin in our life for God to move through generosity. But uh, what we're doing every week is actually looking at Jesus. Romans 12 is an invitation to look at what the Jesus life is, is like in light of the good news. Remember Romans 12, 1 and 2, don't conform to the pattern of this age. Be transformed in the renewing of your Mind, so we'll know and be able to attest what God's good, uh, pleasing, perfect will is. It's really like, like you and I are growing to be more like Jesus. So when you read Romans 12, it's so easy to get depressed because you're like, like, no way, no, not me, never. And that's not the point. The point is Jesus is everything here. And because he's good, he's going to, over the rest of your life, make you more like him. So it's not about changing, actually. It's about partnering with God, allowing Jesus to come in and make the changes and adjustments that he wants to make. So we're looking at all these dimensions. None of them are in order. They're not in like a hierarchy of priority. He just throws out all these things. And we're going to see a bit of that as we continue to read this morning. So Romans 12, we'll, we'll pick up where we left off. We ended with verse 13 yesterday, uh, last week. But verse 14 is where we'll start. Romans 12, verse 14 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Again, remember these aren't, like in order, they're random, but it's interesting. We'll start in verse just 14. Bless those who persecute you and, and bless and do not curse. We're going to hold off on that till next week because what we're going to see is he makes a statement, then he rabbit trails, verses 15 and 16. Then he comes back in verse 17 through the end of the chapter. So we're going to look at what it means to bless and not curse next week. But today, I just want to look at two dimensions of love Again, are they as important as the previous ones? Yeah. The only question with this list of what it means to be a real loving Jesus person is which areas are we really strong in naturally because some of us are just strong in hospitality or generosity or whatever it may be. And then identify with honesty where are the areas where I need the Holy Spirit to come and, and make me strong to this morning that I want us to look at. Write them down. They're, they're interconnected Real love is present. 
what we see here is that real love is there, is present, is with. Uh, verse uh, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Or another translation, be happy with those that are happy and weep with those who weep. There is a dimension to love that as a community, all of us, we really want to grow in is being present, being there in the moment. Here's why. Because we know that because of the age that we live in with technology and all these tools and apps, we are smarter but often less wise. We're more informed yet more ignorant to the things that matter. So you can access anything on your phone right now and miss the suffering of the people around you. Have you ever been in a walk to a restaurant and you see a bunch of people at the tables and no one's actually talking to each other? Because they already ordered. So now while we wait, let me catch up on the latest sports score or anything else. If you, if you don't see it, the problem is you're so stuck on your phone. You, you can't see that. Everyone else. That we're in an age that is there but not there. And funny thing is... That's okay, even though it's not. As humans, we're called to be there, to be present, and real love is with. So generosity, if you think about all these dimensions of love, generosity, we looked at resources, is about more than money. Generosity is about a heart that's been transformed where I see you, I see what you have, I see what you need, I see what God's given, and I say, wow, we're connected because we're in Jesus, and he's been good to me, and I release that out of out of love. Well, it's the same thing with time and with what's going on. We want to just be generous, not just be generous with our money. We want to be generous with our lives, don't we? We want to really be there. Real love is present. Here's the challenge. Life is a bit messy, isn't it? And so it's nice to know people uh, on a certain level, but the more you get to know people and the more they open up their world to you, you may be surprised at how fractured we all are. We all are. Life is messy for every one of us, leaders, followers, new to Jesus, veterans and following the faith. We all are a work in progress. So part of maturity is realizing I am to rejoice. I'm to be with those that are in their moments of joy. And I'm to mourn or to weep or to cry or to be disturbed with those that are struggling now, it's interesting. He says, first, rejoice. This is a command, by the way. Rejoice with those who rejoice, which is a little weird because I would think that one would be easy, but if I'm honest, uh, it's not. I think this is here first on purpose. Your success can only amplify my own shortcomings, right? And we all know what this is like. I mean, we want to really rejoice. It's why social media, while it's a beautiful thing, can lead us to anxiety and depression, it's because as I look at where you are and I realize, wow, I'm 30 degrees colder. I'm not happy. I was happy until I saw you in a warmer place, right? <laughs> and you laugh because you do it and I do it all the time. We, we want we to be ahead. We want to be out front. We don't want to fall behind. And so we need to learn that, that real love is going to be honest that I'm a lot more selfish than I want to admit, like I personally, I say, I want to I want to win. I want to lead. If we're going to play a board game, this is not an exaggeration. Uh, those of you who play board games with me, it is okay for you to win occasionally. <laughs> it's okay. If you win once, that's all right. But I am not lying. If we're going to sit down and play games, you better put margin in your world. I will win once. It's not a joke. 
It's like, we're, no, repeat. No, 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 no. I was close. And once I win, then we can stop and do something else. Because I, I, I I'm competitive. So uh, real love, though, is going to celebrate your victory. Real love, mature. Now, I'm not saying that you have to find that. I'm saying Jesus can produce that. Jesus, if we allow him, can produce. Real love avoids getting caught in the game called comparison. Where my value is tied somehow to your value or your achievements. Rather than finding my value in who God created me to be. Comparison. We all do it all the time. And now for some of us this is going to be real hard. Because who wants to be the last one to get the job that they're dreaming of, right? Or you want the promotion or the recognition and everyone else gets it and you don't get it. Or maybe in your group of friends, everyone started single, everyone else is married and you're still single. Or, or everyone that's married uh, in your group or whatever, they all have kids and you, you don't have kids. None of us want to be left behind. So we need to learn to have a love that comes from Jesus that changes my perspective where I can actually, not, not lying, but honestly learn to celebrate, rejoice in God's gift to you without the tendency to derive my value from what I have or don't have. And here's why this is possible. You and I now have the Holy Spirit. This is the game changer. The game changer isn't that you have different behavior. The game changer is God has taken residence in your life. And now, I don't know exactly how this happened. He doesn't live in the heart. You know, it's not in the organ. But in your being, God has chosen to make his residence. Jesus said it clearly. It's better if I go away. It's way better if I go away, which makes no sense. Now he's with us because the spirit will come. The spirit will be in you. Not just around you, but in you. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can begin to awaken you to the value of who you are because you are a child of God. Because you belong to Jesus, you have the greatest value. So you will be able to learn over time, no matter what anyone says in our culture, that singleness is a gift. It's an absolute gift. Gift. It's not like a second class or a I'm waiting till. Singleness, if God has not given you yet or ever will a spouse, we have to see that as I belong to Jesus. He's given me the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have everything that I need, even though everyone else is saying, well, when are you going to and when will you find? Singleness is a gift. At the same token, marriage is a gift. By the way, they're both complicated. They're both complicated. And then let's go to the whole thing of, of having a family. we got to recognize that being married and not having children is a gift. And he may not give you children. And as painful as that may be in our own soul, we have to learn to see our values not in what we think we need or what we, we think we should have. Our value is caught up in that God's love for us is full. And he's a good father. And even though I don't have everything I think I want, he has not abandoned me, and I am with him, and he is with me, and therefore I'm going to learn to become content in who God is, who God is in my life. And by the way, having kids is a blessing as well, a lot more challenging. And so we need to recognize that real love is going to rejoice 
in that we all in the family of God have been given the Holy Spirit. And so he is enough. Therefore, we have enough. And therefore, I don't need to compare. I don't need to, to be having as much or having less than you because my value is tied to Jesus. But let's be real. We have this thing called the human nature. God has made you, right? Flesh. And so even though you're full with the Spirit, you're still not perfected. One day we will see him as he is. We will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. He will recreate us. And I don't know how, but just like Jesus was in the tomb and then risen from the dead and alive, and they saw him, they touched him, and he went through walls. He was the same but very different. So in, in one day, you and I will be a life without sin and corruption, and so this won't be an issue. Until then, we still struggle, don't we? We still struggle and wrestle. And one of the things that God will do is teach us through experience. So uh, comparing. I, I, this was a real, real struggle in my 20s. Uh, I was 100% competitive. Now I'm 100% competitive with the Holy Spirit. But I was 100% competitive and I had the Holy Spirit. I just didn't talk to him at all. Because I had to, I had to be in charge of everything and I had to win and I had to be ahead. And then uh, I went into my 30s. And had some very, very things I thought would be great and catapult me to the center of the universe go south. And had some very big failures, not moral failures, but like ministry failures, work failures, projects I threw tons of money and energy and attention to that didn't realize and left me thinking, whoa, I may not be perfect yet. And I, everything I touch doesn't turn to gold. Like, how did this happen? Maybe this isn't a struggle for you. And you're like... Man, he's in charge here. This is this is weird. Um, you know, the failures though are a beautiful thing, and if we have the Holy Spirit, now failures can just lead you to a negative cycle. But if you have the Holy Spirit, you could allow them to become teachable moments. Looking back, the failures of my 30s were the best thing that ever happened to me because success will only teach you so much. Success will only teach you one layer of truth. Failure, if you allow the Spirit to guide you, can bring a wonderful perspective. So here I am in my 40s, and I can honestly say I, are, I am rejoicing in other people's success that may be younger or less experienced than, than I have simply because I've, I've realized through success and failure, my value shouldn't be tied to any of that. It should just be tied to Jesus. So whether God's put you in a season of abundance or a season of lack, can, can the word be today for you, let's learn to rejoice with others that are celebrating and to mourn with those that are suffering because it's the grace of God that gives us any level of success anyway. I just forgot that for so long. I really thought it's, it's you know, Jesus and then me, like right there with him, just making it happen. And, and failure can sometimes teach you, no, it's all Jesus. I need him. And apart from him, I've got nothing that's good anyway. So I think that is a word for some of us that may be in a season of suffering right now. I just want to say to you, hold on. Don't give up on Jesus. The very thing that you're praying God will deliver you from might be the very tool he's going to use to make you more like a son. Let me say it again. The very thing you're praying, God, get this out of my life. God, remove this. God, it could be, maybe not. It could be, though, the very thing that he's trying to use through experience, seemingly negative, to shape you to be at a comfortable and confident place to say, I can rejoice with anyone else's celebration, no matter how I feel about my own status in life. 
Rejoice with those who rejoice. Now the flip side, look at the rest of the verse, and mourn with those who mourn. So, so real love is there in the party, and real love is going to be there in the pain as well. And the harder is to celebrate when someone else is rocking it and you're way behind. But yet at the same token, let's not forget, we have a responsibility. It's a command. Be there in other people's times of, of heartache. I love what uh, John Stott, he's a famous pastor in London. He's now with Jesus. But what he has to say about this verse, he says, love never stands aloof from other people's joys or pains. Love identifies with them, sings with them, and suffers with them. Love enters deeply into their experiences and their emotions, their laughter and their tears, and feels solidarity with them, whatever their mood. I think that's an interesting phrase, your mood. I, I'm called to step in to your mood, not ask you to, hey, cheer up. Things are going to be all right. No, I'm asked to step into your space and be there. So whatever your mood is, I step into that. I listen. We hold hands. We cry. And, and if, if that's me, I can guarantee you, expect tears. But I, I cried everything. So it's, I'm equal opportunity. You know, if there's a movie with any plot, I'll cry. <laughs> but in, in a moment of suffering, uh, expect, expect tears. And, and this is a beautiful thing. We... we often push people away in our moments of pain because we're trying to wrestle with, with it with ourselves. Here's the thing about following Jesus. You need to know it. He's put you in a family for a reason. And even though it's easier to sulk by yourself and try to figure it out, and there's this there's, there's place for that. If you stay there too long, you may miss the very means of God pulling you through. Say, so God, where are you? And he may be saying, not always, but he may be saying, I am there in the person I've put in your world. And God's comfort is most often felt not with an esoteric experience where suddenly the shadow and the cloud are just lifted up and I'm bright and I smile. That happens. God steps in. Most often it's going to be when someone's on the couch with you and you cry it through and you pray it through and you wait and it's hard and it takes months and then you pull out the other side together. And God was there all along through you. Now, if you say, like, I, don't even, I don't even know if I want that or that's even attractive. Let me tell you from experience, that is a game changer. And we need it in our world. Now, I'll give a disclaimer. At times, Jesus people are weird. Right? You, 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 we've, we've been weird. We all disappoint. Let's just throw it out there. We don't have it figured out. Sometimes we explain everything even though we don't even know what the explanation is. But we feel like it's our responsibility to make sense of what doesn't make sense. And so just forgive us. We, we do. Or just forgive me. Um, sometimes we quote Bible verses that have nothing to do with your circumstance. But we feel like if we just quote the Bible, everything's going to be all right. Now, I'm all for quoting the Bible where it actually is in context and it, and it does fit the situation. But sometimes in our eagerness to help, we just, we're awkward. But know this, we're trying. And so I think that's a word to some of us. There are Jesus people who are trying to be there. If you're going through a rough patch, can you just be grace, gracious enough, enough to let them in? 
even though they're, they're, they're not getting it right and they're not fully Jesus, they could bring comfort from Jesus. So, so God wants to be himself through us. That's why, as God's people, we rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. Jesus was there laughing. And just look at his life. Read the Gospels. He was laughing and rejoicing in great times. And Jesus was there in hard times weeping. Just think of even Jesus right before he goes to the cross. And he's weeping, pleading with his father about what's to come. Because he knows not only what it's going to cost him, but he knows the value of your life and the value of my life. And how his sacrifice is going to change everything. And so, so he invites his closest disciples, Peter, James, and John. Can't you be with me? Like, do you got to keep falling asleep? Can't you just be present with me for even an hour? Jesus, fully human, God, but fully human, is calling on his best friends. Be with me in my suffering. And then obviously, they all failed him, didn't they? Guess what? Jesus, like we're not to give up on other people, Jesus actually appoints them, Peter, James, and John, uh, uh, as leaders in the church. And, And even though they get it wrong in this moment, they're the means, they're the people God's you, God uses to offer grace to them. All right, so, so, so real love is present. It's here. It's, it's there. Is this something that we can grow in? Absolutely. And I encourage you, ask the Holy Spirit to show you how. Second thing, write it down. And we want to learn how to, to, how to live this out. Real life is not only present. Real, real love is humble. Real love is humble. We've got to take our place in God's family. So it says, live in harmony with one another, verse 16. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Obviously, we know that no one likes the person who's cocky. The phrase could be translated literally... Think the same things towards one another or be of the same mind or live in agreement with one another. The word here is not only to be present, to be there, but to be there with the right kind of mindset. Real love is growing in our awareness that our natural tendency, maybe not you, but just me, our natural tendency is to make ourselves more than we really are. Real love says, I'm going to be with you in your joy, I'm going to be with you in your pain, and I'm going to learn to be the real me. And the real you, because you have the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is humility. Live in harmony with one another. Now, this doesn't mean we don't have different opinions, right? There will always be in Oregon the ducks and the beavers. There will always be a civil war. There's always going to be Democrats and Republicans. There's always going to be urban and suburban country and much better music. There's always going to be opinions about all of these things. Anytime I can stab country music, then I, I will do. See, and suddenly you're hating, right? Right? Real love forgives. <laughs> Real love doesn't taunt, so I'm, I'm, I'm guilty. All right. real, real love takes opinions and puts them in perspective. Everyone has opinions about everything. But here's the challenge. Because we're Jesus' people, we've all been given the Holy Spirit. We're totally different. God makes us differently, gifts us differently, but puts us together and says, says work in unity. Work like together towards whatever God wants to do. It means we're going to have to grow in maturity and not let our differences become divisive 
Don't let the secondary things become the primary driving force. And this is so relevant to today's culture, especially, I'll just have to say, in our political climate. And I can move on, and you all know what I'm talking about. We all have an opinion about what's the right way for our country to go and our country to be led. And it is good to have those opinions and vote your conscience and get involved and advocate for the things that are near and dear to your heart until they become the driving wedge between you and other Jesus people. Because none of us have the right to push out someone who Jesus says welcome to. You don't get that right, and you don't have that much value that you have to demean someone else because they have a different stance. Whether it's in foolish things like music or sports, I threw sports into the foolish column because it is. People who divide over teams, this is just, this is nonsense. But in the things that really matter, like the issue, and all of us have them, we have to learn to submit that issue to Jesus' leadership and say, Jesus, thank you for giving me an opinion and also thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit to put my opinion in its place. Which is why he says almost the same thing to the church at Philippi. We should read this because this is life-changing. Philippians 2 verses 1 through 4. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If you've experienced grace, if any comfort from his love, if you've experienced Jesus' love, if any common sharing of, in the Spirit, common sharing, in other words, if you've experienced life in the Holy Spirit, which is for everyone, if any tenderness and compassion, make my, and he's their leader, make my joy complete by being of the same mind or like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind, and how do we do this? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. I could just pause there for a second. Everything I just said about our differences falls under this category. Selfish ambition says I am right, which means I'm righter than you. But we shouldn't act that way. Rather, what's the, what's the way to go? In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking at your own interests, but each to the interest of the others. So it's possible for churches to be divided on issues that have nothing to do with Jesus. And, it, and it, oh, if, you, if you haven't been around Jesus following for a while, this happens all of the time. Most churches divide not on theology, not on the Bible, not on things that are right and true and godly and non-negotiable. Most churches fall apart on secondary people-centered issues. I like this person over that person. We used to have this, but now we have that. Stylistic issues, all sorts of things that it's okay to have an opinion on. I think louder is better. You may not agree with that, but we're not going to make that the wedge. We're not going to make that the dividing line. So what's the greatest obstacle to unity? It's always pride. In Romans 12 and in Philippians 2, we see it. And everywhere where you see unity, you're going to see a call to not live out of pride. Which, by the way, pride is a choice. We can't say, like, well, I can't help it. Well, actually, you can. Because you have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's not proud. God is not proud in that sense. But Jesus makes himself low. If you, if you keep reading Philippians 2, you see it. But our example should be the same 
as Jesus. Our mindset, our attitude should be the same as Jesus Christ, who though he was God did not consider equality of God something to even be rationalized. But he humbled himself, made himself low, and became a servant, even unto death, death on a cross. So God exalted him to the highest place. That's interesting. Jesus makes himself low for our good, and in that, Jesus is the one to be worshipped. And that's the pattern for life. You want to be great? Then think about the needs of others above yourself. And, and Jesus says, man, that's just like me. That's greatness. So we're to weep, uh, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And then the way to live that out is to consider pride and to not let it rule our life. Real love is humble. I love what the New Living Translation puts this verse as. Just look at it. We'll put it on the screen. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. It's just so, it's so good. Like, I, I've shared this again and again and again. I am, well, I think I'm a, no, I am a know-it-all. I'm a, an absolutely know-it-all. I pride myself on out-facting you. I pride myself on doing my research and belittling your opinion. That's just, that's my, my nature. It's just unlike Jesus. Um, that's the only problem with it. <laughs> It's just, just totally not like Jesus. And so I remember when I was in my early 20s and my brother and I, just a year and a half apart, I'm, I'm number two, which number two on the chain means they need to demean number one to find value, right? That's what the second child usually does. Not always, just 99.9% of the time. And so, see, I know it all. This is terrible. <laughs> Sunday morning confessions. So my brother and I, we went to different uh, Bible schools at the same time, it was in the same city. And so we would get together and talk about what we're learning. When you're in school, you know, everything's just like new and you're learning all this stuff. And I remember looking back at how many arguments we got at because I had to be right. I just like whatever position. And here's the crazy thing. I don't even care what position it is. I'm like a lawyer. I don't care what position it is. I want the alternative view. And so even if I'm with him, I had to argue against him to see if I could knock down his case. And that's just sick. <laughs> and looking back at it, I had all zeal and no knowledge and, and way low on the love scale. But thank God that I've learned over time and am learning and continue to need to learn. I'm not there. But here's what I do see. I see progress. I actually see progress in my life. And that's so encouraging. And it ought to encourage you that you may not be where you need to be. But you can look back and see that God's moved you in his direction. And that's what real love is all about. Real love is about valuing other people. It's about humbling ourselves. And so I just want to say, especially when it comes to these two, when you look at these things, what we want to say is the easy route. God, change me. That's what, like, what I want to say is like, God, this week, take pride away. Like, remove it. And it's just not that easy. And I don't think for the most part, although God does whatever he does, and sometimes he does radical work in people's lives for whatever reason, but most of the time he's going to say back to us when we come with those prayers, he's one day at a time, and I will. One day at a time. And real love is more than a feeling, it's a skill. Which sometimes we don't think of. We think of love as emotion, love as as, as feeling, and it has something to do with it, mourn with those who mourn. You can't mourn without feeling. 
people's pain. But at the same token, real love is a skill. It's something that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can work on. So if you're like, man, God, I want to grow. And he's like, great, I've been wanting you to grow for a long time. Are you willing, though, to put into practice the things that are going to cause real love to grow? And we just look at the, the two from today, that real love is present. Okay, let's just practice this. Who are the people in your circle that you can grow deeper with? They don't oftentimes have to be new people, but maybe people we haven't brought in because of our own busyness or our own just not even thinking about it. Who are the people that God wants you to rejoice with and mourn with? In order to be there in pain, you need to be there first, right? I'm not going to come to you in my moment of weakness when we're like casual, distant friends. But we, we're there now because life is messy. And when I'm there now in my mess, I could text, I can call, I could say, man, I need to come over and we will be there. We need to grow comfortable with a few people that we can love them, listen to them, call them out, or receive their word into our life as God's word. And so I would encourage you, it's not 250 or 500 people, but it could be two, could be three, could be five. It's got to be at least one. Who are the people that you're going to ask God the Holy Spirit to grow you with so that when there's joy, you're not alone. And when there's suffering, you're not alone. Which is why um, we got the invitation and we've been kind of pleading with you about this prayer training starting tomorrow night and the next two Mondays. Why why talk about prayer, which seems it's like an oxymoron, teach us to pray? Well, actually, Jesus' disciples said, teach us to pray. So that's kind of like worthwhile learning in. But more than that, when I say pray, we're not going to be talking tomorrow night about how to have a prayer meeting or how to have a one-on-one -on -one encounter with God in the morning or at night and engage in personal prayer. What we're actually going to be practicing half of the time every night, half, will be practicing in coming with someone else and learning to hear their story well, without interrupting, um, without manipulating, but learning to listen. And we're going to invite, so it's going to be practice with power. So not like, hey, let's pretend. I'm going to pretend I have this issue. No, no, no. We're going to come with our stuff. And we're going to learn the art of listening and praying and engaging and hearing from God and listening to the voice of Scripture and listening to what God is saying in the moment, because this doesn't happen automatically, but we can grow in it. So if you can't make tomorrow night, I totally get it. We'll try to do it again. But if you're alive and breathing and available and resisting, please sign up and come just to week one. Just come tomorrow. And if it's absolutely lame, don't come back. But what if, what if God through practicing together, wants to grow all of us on how to love one another. Real love is present. Here's why this is so important. Not only do we need a group of people that are listening well when we gather, but all of us have opportunities every week, whether it's in a coffee shop or at work or at school in the neighborhood, and someone inevitably says, gosh, this has been a crazy week. What if we were able, because we had some practice and some basic skills to take that moment and make it more than a, oh, wow, man, I'll, I'll be thinking about you. 
and goodbye. What if we're aware, because we have the Holy Spirit, and learn the art of taking those moments and making them opportunities for worship and to encounter God together, whether it's at a coffee shop or in your living room? What if we learn that? Now you say, like, that's, that's love? Absolutely. And what we want to do is, is grow in not just going to church, but being God's people. And God's people intentionally learn skills so that we can grow in loving people. Enough on that. For today, let's practice, right? Okay, that's tomorrow night. We want, we want you to grow. We've been thinking about this, dreaming about this, and now doing it because we realize this is a missing piece in all of our world. Not your world, in my world. I need to learn and grow in this area, but let's not, let's not look to tomorrow. We don't even know if tomorrow will be here. Let's, let's think about today. Today, are you burdened? Are you burdened by something? And you, you may, I, I, I take it for granted, you may have walked in here barely getting here, but you made it here. Can I just say well done to you? Well done. Like you, you made it all the way to the parking lot and got here even though you're carrying that heavy load. Can you, can you let God's people carry that load with you today? If you got a, a burden because something is going on, you don't have to, you don't have to walk that alone. Even though it feels like it, you don't have to. Or are you rejoicing? Has God done something great this week? Let's just, let's turn it. Sometimes we just, we bombard God when things are down, but we forget him when things go well. And we think, wow, that was pretty good. I'm, I'm not bad. Can we, can we do both? Can we bring both of those to Jesus? The burdens and then the joys, the, the celebrations. Let's bring those to Jesus and let's not be afraid. Let's grow up in real love and not be afraid to be exuberant in the way that we worship God. He's worth all of it, right? He's worth all of it. So maybe we need to up the level with the way that we respond to God and worship. Maybe we need to up the level in our willingness to look to other people to pray with us and be with us in our moments of sorrow. So if you're celebrating, great, bring that to Jesus. If you're hurting, let's bring that to Jesus as well.